What kid gets that? Yeah, <laughs> she's my kid. <laughs> That's beautiful. Something's happening. Something's happening for the perception. By the way, are we live? We are now. Something's happening when it comes to children discovering a better goodness of God versus a limited goodness of God. As in, God has a cap on his love because you can out-behave his love and forgiveness is what we were sort of taught. If it wasn't said blatantly, it was definitely implied. Well, that messes up any kind of close relationship. Now it's going to be a performance-based relationship. You better perform right or, or else. <laughs> it's scary. Last Sunday was Easter. And last Sunday we began what I thought was really cool <laughs> and kind of got uncomfortable as we got going into it because I'm realizing, oh my goodness, these scriptures keep saying the same thing and deeper. It's there, undisputable, an objective truth that God is in all in fact, I, the one verse I did not, oops, I better turn this on. No wonder it won't click. Um, one verse I did not get into is, uh, is this one. I'll get to that in just a moment. But I want to talk to you about why this message is really important. Why, why do I get into some of these, what some people would say, hyper details? Like, can't you just stick to science school stories? You know, like Jesus walks on water. Like, that's exciting. You know, or... Or, you know, somebody gets stoned and, or beat up and healed. Like, can we not just focus on that stuff? <sighs> yes, but you can read that easily yourself. And so you should. To become familiar with the written word of God. Small w word. So the reason I'm going through this is because I really don't think most Christians know what the heck happened at the cross. Most don't really know. The simplest answer is he just went to die for our sins. That's the blanket answer most places will give you. And it is true. But man, that, that ceiling is so small. And yet, what he did is so great. Because I'll get in trouble for diminishing Payment for sin, if I, if, by the way, I talk about this right now, but you know my heart by now. That's not what I'm after. I want to show there, there's a whole tree of branches of what Christ has done for us at the cross. And most believers don't even know what happened to them at the cross. This is your Christmas gift. Everything that happened at the cross happened to you as well. It took me a long time for this to get into my head. And it's still hard to remember at times. Because the darkness of this world sometimes creeps in, even into my mind, and I forget, and I, I think I'm no good, not good enough in different areas. And again, that's the inside of the head conversation that happens. The conversation, the lies. Once in a while, I'll buy in and act it out. Other times the Holy Spirit's a little faster. Well, the Holy Spirit's always trying to remind me, but I'm just not always listening. It's tough. But these things that I'm trying to cover are foundational for you to walk in daily victory in Christ. Have you noticed 
there's been a lot of scripture on the screen lately. That's on purpose. That way you can't say, well, Mike just says, I don't want that at all. I want you to say, scripture points to this, and this is a truth that I am seeing in these words. And my prayer is, as we continue to grow, like that picture on the wall, you have the seed, the sapling, and the the tree. It's the journey of maturity. This is what our church is supposed to be about, growing up into Christ. And unfortunately, Sunday mornings, most of our focus is on that seed, the child-level faith. Who are we in Christ? Who am I in Christ is a really important word. And it points to our culture of me, 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 me. I'm important. And yes, you are. And that's why it's good to look at who am I in Christ so you start to see the miracle that has happened to you. But you don't stay there. You move on. You need to see who Christ is in you. That's huge. That was a loud cry back there. Wow. You need to see who Christ is in you. Because our focus comes off of us and onto him. And then, and then there's more. Who are we as one with the Trinity? And our eyes are no longer on ourselves, but on our union. And the union activity that happens out of us, flowing from the Holy Spirit already in us. This faith has to be walked out. It's not enough to just come and eat, 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 eat. You become a fat person sitting in a chair just from spiritual food. Oh, that was, oh, that was a great meal today. Praise the Lord. <sighs> Look, my prayer for you, and I can't tell you how to do this because that's a different kind of church, the one I used to go to. They tell you how to work this all out. But at the early level, there might be some prodding that needs to happen to help children guide and direct. Here, practice these things because it's for your good. And if you're not learning those things, my prayer is you'll hear some of the basics and start to apply and practice the disciplines that have been revealed in Scripture that are good for you. They're not rules. They are the fruit, the natural overflow of the abiding Christ in you. And behavior will change when you start to believe what really happened at the cross. Let's dig in. I just want you to know why. Because sometimes I feel maybe I'm I'm getting too heavy and shooting over top of everybody's heads, but this stuff's got me super excited. I can't help it. And, And this is not normally taught in church on a Sunday morning. I don't want you to wait to Bible college because most of you will never go there, and I'm not sure I'd recommend it if it's just for fun. So... Because it's not fun. Let's take a look. Paul is speaking to unbelievers in this context in Acts chapter 17. To a place where all these altars to many gods were placed. Everybody's listening. And he sees an altar to an unknown god. Because they had to have an extra just in case they left one out. (laughs) And he finally tells them, hey, I'm going to tell you about that God. And it refers to his heavenly father. And then he tells the crowd about Jesus. For in him 
We live and move and exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. All of us move and live in Christ. All of creation is in Christ. So objectively, it's there. Subjectively, many people don't have a clue about God, don't care, and act according to their own blindness with no awareness of the objective truth that all of creation is already in Christ and held together by him. We've covered that a lot in this church. Christ holds all things together. There is no absence, no separation. Objectively. The separation that is in, is in people's minds. Darkness. Death in the mind. Spiritual death is in the mind. In the, uh, the Passion Translation it says, it's through him that we live and function and have our identity. Just as your own poets have said, our lineage comes from him. Genos. Genealogy. Message translation. We live and move in him. Can't get away from him. One of your poets said it well. We're God created. We're the God created. We're all children of God. Who's the source of all creation? Hello, Jesus. Therefore, he is the father of all. Whether they believe or not, still their daddy. New American Standard Bible, most traditional. For in him we live and move and exist, as even some of your own poets have said, for we also are his children. This is the great Apostle Paul speaking to unbelievers in a vast place. We're talking the greatest apologetics place in the world. The greatest variety of religions and faiths. And, faith. and do you know what he does not do? This is a lesson for all of us. And if you're watching online, because there's people watching from all over the place, different countries, it's crazy who's watching some of these clips. What he does not do is say, Oh, this God over here, he's wrong because of that, and that's a heresy what he's teaching. And that God over there, man, he's just too weak a God, you know, like don't trust him. And that God is fighting with this one over here, so he doesn't do that. He doesn't point out all those wrongs. By the way, this is my lesson. <laughs> that's why it's really real to me. When you're sharing, you don't focus on the wrong of the other necessarily. You focus on the goodness of the good news that you believe. And if you can't explain something, relax. Don't worry about it. It's not for you to explain. You don't have to have an answer all the time. But the Bible says to be ready at any time to give an answer and a report. Blah, 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 blah. That's nice. Isn't that sweet? And if Jesus, who is in you, gives you that answer, then fantastic, you've got the answer. But if he doesn't give it to you at the moment, then relax. It's not meant to be, because maybe that conversation is the wrong time. It would turn into a negative debate. What happened to you? What happened to you and me at the cross? We died when he died. We didn't realize this. I never really knew this. Kind of heard about it in church, a sermon here and there. But I never fully knew. When Jesus died, I died. And when he rose, I rose with him. We rose with him. And when he ascended, we ascended. We're in him. 
How's the volume? Is it better? Is it too loud up here? Okay. It is loud? Okay, we'll turn it down just a, just a notch for, for those who are in front of that speaker I heard about last week. This is critically true, and I want to show you some verses. And by the way, you can go online, watch the video again later to see all the texts. You don't have to take a picture of each slide. Can, I can also email you the slides, no big deal. But I want to show you how this is true. Because these are the foundations that matter when the rubber hits the road. And when the rubber hits the road is when the crisis of faith comes. Just like right now, there's a whole city weeping at the loss of half their hockey team killed in a bus crash. You think there's a crisis of faith? My God, why now? Why this? Why not somebody else? These foundations matter when that time comes, and it will come. Nobody's immune from pain and suffering. Pain and suffering can lead us to a place of brokenness, of yielding and surrender. They're not the same thing. Suffering does not equal brokenness. Brokenness is the yielding and surrender to Christ saying, I give all control to you. But how can you do that when you don't know your oneness with God? Because you can't trust him otherwise. It's a trust issue. Many people don't want to trust God because they don't trust him. They have a, a false or no, incomplete is a better word. Incomplete picture of who their loving Heavenly Father is and how far his love really can go. How far his forgiveness has already gone and how deep his life has already delved into you. We just don't know where to look. I'm trying to show you where to look. It's not looking up, it's in. Watch this. Colossians 2.20. Three different translations. You have died with Christ. Is that clear so far? Black and white, black and brown, is it clear? You have died with Christ. We're going to get all that in there. You have died with Christ. He has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. Objective truth. It's a done deal. And when you do not believe this, you will surrender to those powers and be subject to them out of darkness and blindness. You're not designed to live there. Stop it. Believe what is true and walk right out. The, the jail door's open. You're free. You've been set free. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world? Such as, whatever the next part is, I forget. The Passion Translation says it like this. For you were included in the death of Christ and have died. Clear? Okay, just making sure. With him, to the religious system and powers of this world. Don't retreat back to being bullied by the standards and opinions of religion. Many families that I meet when I do funerals, they very quickly say, because I'm the minister who's coming in to do the funeral, well, we're not really religious. And I say, neither am I. <laughs> they look at me funny. 
And uh, I say, I'm spiritual. I believe in God. I just don't believe in the system of rules that control people. Oh, we don't either. Yeah, we're spiritual too. Suddenly the conversation, <laughs> it's like, are you kidding? This is so exciting. I love doing funerals. <laughs> That's why I'm dressed today because I have a funeral today. Somebody thought I had a job interview and I said, do I need one? <laughs> don't answer that. But when they're saying they're, they're not into religion, they have seen the pain of religion. They've seen the fruit of what religion does. The word religion from the Latin is relegare, to bind up. Now, initially it was meant it's a binding up of the common beliefs and thoughts, but it's been so blown out of wrong proportion that it's now become to bind you up and tie you up into bondage. No, I'm not into religion. I'm into the Christ life the transcendent life of living God out through me as I recognize my oneness with him. Don't go back to religion and law. We've covered law here many times, but I promise we're going to redo. We're going to go back to some basics, like easy basics, because we have a lot of new people here. And I want you to catch all that. Those who have been here for a while, you have the gift of patience to endure and come through it because that's how God made you. Suck it up. Do it for the benefit of others. It cannot get old because somebody else is benefiting and your presence here makes it possible for them to hear it too. It's called mentoring. Bring someone along when we start this. Somebody doesn't do the churchy thing but has faith. This is a great place for them. The Mirror Bible, Colossians 2.20. If it is true that you were included in Christ's death, death, which it is, then the religious systems of this world with its rules and regulations no longer apply to you. What further relevance would there be for you to continue to live under the influence of mankind's doctrines and ideas? Ouch. So, you've died. Where did you die? At the cross. And where exactly on the cross? In Christ. It's really important. Not buddy up beside him, but in him. This is critical. The distinction matters. Colossians 2, 11 to 13. I forget which translation this is. Through our union with him. That's important. Again, union, oneness. You're one with Christ. Through our union with him, we have experienced the circumcision of the heart. All of the guilt and power of sin has been cut away and is now extinct because of what Christ, the anointed one, has accomplished for us. Do you know what I love about that verse? I never saw it until this week. It's really cool. Maybe not for you, but for me it was really cool. This part here. All of the guilt and power of sin has been cut away. So if something has... Okay, let's do this because it's the easiest I can do. This is part of the bottle. And I'm going to cut away. It's cut away. It's gone. No longer has power. But what's left? Me. The real me. But the thing that's been hindering me has been cut away at the cross. It's what remains that we have to recognize. This is our union. I needed that. 
For we have been buried with him into his death. Okay, so we died with him. Got that part. When he, he was buried, we were buried. You're not absent from this equation. It did not happen when you said the prayer. And the prayer is powerful for you because it marks a moment in time when you came to believe and we're called to believe. Without belief, none of this is experienced at all. For you, for we've been, past tense, done, fini, being buried with him into his death. And I love this next part too. Our baptism into death also means we were raised with him. Oh my goodness. When we believed in the resurrection power, which means through the faith of the, ah, come back, darn. Through the working, so through the faith of the working of God is what when we believed means. Because I thought it was conditional. Well, when you believed, then it happened. That's not what the language means. The language means it's through the faith of the working of God. Who's the author of faith? Who's the source of all faith? Hey guys, come on. <laughs> Jesus! I know, it's, a, it's, it's, it's oh. God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, yes. Good, just, I just want to see if you're awake because it's really hard to tell. <clears throat> it's those black things over your eyes to try and sleep that are throwing me off. So, it's when we believe through the resurrection power, the belief is the faith of Christ, the power that raised him from death's realm. This realm of death describes our former state, for we were held in sin's grasp. But now we've been resurrected out of that realm of death, never to return again. For we are forever alive and forgiven of all our sins. I wish you guys were Pentecostal or charismatic sometimes. Yes. Do you know how good a news that is? And how often do we think about this or dwell on this? How many times this week did you think about it? Probably zip. And it's not a guilt trip. It's a reminding trip. It's like, can you see what this kind of truth does in your head? It reminds you of the goodness already in you. It changes your attitude. There are way too many freaking bad attitudes out there today, and we allow that crap into our minds. I'm guilty of it. Facebook. You know, like uh, this, some of the threads, I've had to unfollow stuff and just delete or pause people for 30 days. And go, I can't handle the negative stuff. There's too much goodness in me. It affects you, people. It affects me. And the vibe you send out to people affects the people around you. This is great. You're forgiven and alive, never to return. Oh, what? Okay. 2 Corinthians 5.14. Another awesome one. This is all part of we died, he died. Uh, he rose, we rose. He ascended, we ascended. For it is Christ's love that fuels our passion and motivates us. Stop there. Sometimes we think we have to motivate ourselves, become self-motivated. That's where I have a problem with self-motivation. When it's done to accomplish a man-made goal, it hurts. It's not authentic. 
But the passion of Christ in you, it can look the same. It's hard to tell sometimes. I've got to be honest. I, I, I sometimes don't know the difference. But I do when I start to meditate and think, Father, was that you or is that me trying to get my way somehow or trying to help you out? None of you ever do that, right? No, didn't think so. It's Christ's love that fuels our passion and motivates us, which means, do you know how much God loves you? Like, really? Because we are absolutely convinced that he has given his life for all of us. This means all died with him. The mere translation. The love of Christ resonates within us. By the way, it's like a, um, another word for resonate is it's a vibration. We feel it. It, it, we receive the sense of his energy. I know it sounds new agey. Too bad. It's, it's actually true. There, there's, a, there's an energy, a wave that resonates. We can hear that drum resonate in this room. And, and you know, he's going nuts on there. And the bass, and when Dan's really got that volume up on this bass, boom, ah, we, it resonates with us all. This resonates in us within us, and leaves us with only one conclusion. Jesus died humanity's death. Therefore, in God's logic, every individual simultaneously died. Wow. That was part of the part one last week. For the love of God controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. That's the New American Standard Bible. It's like the musketeers, all for one, one for all. Right, Brian? <laughs> this, is, this is really, really, really good news. If we stop to think about these foundations for what happened at the cross, man, some of the other theology will start to fit into place or create more questions. Next one, Galatians 2.20. I was waiting to get to this one. Love this. This is the whole confirmation of what happened at the cross. I have been, past tense, crucified with Christ. Objective fact. That's good news. You have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. We have one life. There's only one life in this world. It's the life of God, the life he breathed into Adam. That's the only life there is. There isn't independent little lives. Otherwise, we've got a whole bunch of little gods. Independent. That's impossible. But Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, in my body, I live by faith in the Son of God. I'm going to come back to that who loved me and gave himself up for me. It just told you, you're loved by Christ, loved by God. He gave his life for you, took you into himself. That's amazing love that a friend would lay down his life for you. Now, most translations will say, I live by faith in the Son of God, which implies it's all up to you now, your faith. Oh, you don't have any faith of your own. Any bit of faith you have is a gift. Look what the King James did, and they did it right. And if you go back to the original languages, this is what it says. 
I live by the faith of the Son of God. (laughs) All faith we have is his faith. We live by his faith, the faith of the gift that's put into us. Young's literal translation says, I live by Son of God faith. It's good news. No more self-performance. It's God's life in us, dwelling in through us. This is the Christian life. The other Christian life, the Christian religion, has a set of rules to tell you to do these things in order to accomplish some standing. Okay? But the grace life is you've been given this life, which will motivate you because his love compels us to do much for the kingdom of God because he's empowering you to do it. Wait, they look the same. Yes, they do. But they're not. Do you see the difference? Please see the difference. Galatians 2.20 in the Passion Translation. My old identity has been co-crucified with Messiah and no longer lives. For the nails of his cross crucified me with him. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine. For the anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God who loves me. Yes, they got it right. Loves me so much that he gave himself for me and dispenses his life into mine. Huh? Pretty good? I think it's great. I don't care if you guys don't know. Fine. Another translation. Galatians 2.20 from the Mirror Bible. So here I am, dead and alive at the same time. I'm dead to the old me I was trying to be, and alive to the real me, which is Christ in me. Co-crucified, now co-alive. What a glorious entanglement. (laughs) I love that. I was in him in his death. Now he is in me, in my very life. For the first time, I'm freed to be me in my skin, immersed in his faith, in our joint sonship. He loves me and believes in me. He is God's gift to me. Isn't that beautiful? Sometimes you've got to read it from a whole bunch of translations and it starts to go, hey, I'm starting to see what this is saying. Ephesians 2, 5 to 6. I've only got 18 slides to go. We're good. I actually do, but we're not going to get them all done. <laughs> it's, it's, I couldn't believe how much. This is all, I had these already last week. Can you imagine how long that would have been? <laughs> I love it. All right. Ephesians 2, 5 and 6. And no, I have not had any coffee today. Not one cup of coffee. And no energy drinks. Nothing. Water. I I saw somebody's face and went, ooh, nope, nope, really. (laughs) Ephesians 2, 5 to 6. That even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Been saved. By the way, the word saved, so-so, means healed. 
I would like to do a sermon sometime on differentiating what the word salvation saved means. Because it's not just one meaning fits all. And that's why it's confusing in the church. There's an objective fact. God saved the world already. The world is saved. But there's an ex- a subjective experience where an individual is saved when they believe and enter into an experience. That's what I call people to. I'm talking about the objective facts right now. You can see it. While we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life. While you were dead. When you were dead. When did he give you life? Right. When you were dead. Not when you, oh, I have a revelation. I'm going to pray for him to come into my heart now. Please come into my heart. Boom, now I got it. No, that's not how it happened. You couldn't say that prayer without the life in you already. That was probably one of my greatest revelations of salvation back when I had to uh, do some theological study. Uh, this, is, this is back in my alliance days with the Christian Mission Alliance. I'm going through systematic theology. I was taken through serious textbooks. And hidden in there was the revelation that you can't say the prayer without the light already being in you. And now 15 years later, when I learned about the light being in all people, I went, oh, there it is. I finally put, it took 15 years to put that together. Man, it takes a long time. So don't hurry up the revelation of God. And leave a lot of questions on the back burner. Don't delete them. Just leave them there. They can pile up. God can take care of it, and he does. Even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ, and here's the next step, seated us with him in the heavenly realms. Because we are united with Christ. We died, he died. He rose, we rose. He ascended, we ascended. There it is. This is an objective fact. Non-negotiable. Do we always feel it or experience it? (laughs) No. No, not at all. Sometimes you might. But these facts have to be constantly pounded into our heads to be reminded of this objective truth. Factual truth. Even when we were dead, by the way, that's a New Living Translation. This is the passion. Even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, he united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. He raised us up with Christ, the exalted one, and we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. For we are now co-seated as one with Christ. Are you getting your oneness with Christ? If you're not getting it, are you at least hearing it? Some skulls are thicker than others. And sometimes the gap between the head and the heart is miles. And that's okay. We're not rushing it. But I'm pointing to some facts you can go back and revisit. Ephesians 4, 9 to 10. Notice that it said, He ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. This is all Easter. Are you getting the Easter thing here? I hope so. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. There it is again. He fills all things. There is no absence. The people you're praying for, that they would come to know Christ, you can keep praying, but don't push. Don't drop off the little tracks and send the little memes of that drive them nuts. You're pushing them farther away, not towards Christ, but away from them. Let Christ do his thing. 
He's filled all things. His light's already in them. They don't know it yet. And a voice will speak one day to them. Remember, that person you're thinking of, it's his child. What parent doesn't love his child? A normal parent. Hmm. He ascended means that he returned to heaven. And after that, after he had first descended from the heights of heaven, he descended as far as the lowest parts of earth. The same one who descended is also the one who ascended above the heights of heaven in order to begin the restoration and fulfillment of all things. It started with us, restored us. And we're progressively learning what that means. Philippians 3.10 I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. New Living Translation. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. What's your prayer today? Give me a raise, God. Give me a new job. Change my spouse. Change my kids. Give me a good parking spot. Hey, we pray all those. <laughs> At least we used to. How about that? Pray what Paul prayed. He wanted to experience, not just know. He, he already believed because he'd, he'd seen some wild truths. But he wanted to experience that resurrection power in him already. That is a God-inspired prayer. Passion Translation says, And I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus more fully and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. I will be one with him in his suffering, and I will be one with him in his death. Mirror Bible. Oh, to comprehend the dynamic of his resurrection. His resurrection is evidence of a righteousness In the revelation of God's economy of inclusion, I actually co-suffered with him and co-died together with Christ. You see, if you keep hearing the same truth from a different place, it may start to sink in. 2 Corinthians 5.19. Namely, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Ooh. And what do we do in our world? We count people's trespasses against them when Jesus does not do it at all because he's taking care of the problem. Do you see how vast his love and forgiveness is gone? It's nuts. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, We are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. I'll come back to that in a second. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Be reconciled. So I've seen Russ frustrated and you know, at a frustration point and, you know, when his sports team is losing and um, whichever team that is. <laughs> so anyway, I'm going to say to Russ this phrase, be a man, come on, be a man. You guys all know what that phrase means, right? Yes? Please nod. Express. Okay. Be a man. 
Does that mean he's actually a little boy at the time I say that? No, he is a man. I'm saying be who you already are. That's what this means. Be reconciled. Be who you are. You are reconciled. Now be it. Act like it. Function like it. And declare the reconciliation. That's evangelism. Hopefully we're almost done because I'm getting tired. Hang on, let me see. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay, three more. You know what? Forget it. I'm going to stop there. I'm tired. It takes a lot of energy. We're going to come back to this next week. This is all part of when he died, we died. When he rose, we rose. And when he ascended, we ascended. So much happened at the cross that happened to us that we were unaware of. And it's this unawareness that is causing people to walk in blindness and weakness as believers. This is a message for the believer. The unbeliever can't get all this. When they believe, then they can start to see because then the Holy Spirit will reveal it to them. They don't get the spiritual things. Although they get some spiritual things that we didn't think they could possibly get. And they get some of those better than the church does. It's crazy. Let's pray. Father, can I say thank you? That was so amazing to be reminded of how much you did to us. And we still have a long ways to go in in understanding and discovering the depth of your work at the cross and the true freedom you have already given us. May it permeate our minds and turn into heartfelt, spirit-driven action in our lives. So people will know there's something different about us without us even having to do this preachy thing but just living the light of Christ out of us. May we be the light of the world, truly. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.